Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we are finishing the week with just a two-day uh, game, two days worth of games here, obviously, after the All-Star break. But we are finishing things with another eight-game slate here on Friday night. We've got this video for you guys where we're talking about Bulls and the uh, new-look Brooklyn Nets. Uh, and then we've got another game video and our player props up for you. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Also, want you to head to thelines.com. That's where you can check out all the great written content we have for you guys this season. And use that odds finder tool we have up there. You can make sure you're getting the best odds available to you from those U.S. sports books. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into this eight-game slate and then talk Nets and Bulls. Yeah, we got um, the the Knicks, your Knicks. In fact, minus two at the Wiz. It was a pick a minute ago, but Knicks gaining some steam. The Heat, plus one and a half at the Bucks. They always play them tough, and Giannis will be out tonight. Cavs on a back-to-back after losing to the Nuggets are plus one at the Hawks. Now past Nate McMillan after Trey Young got him fired. This game, the Nets are plus two at the Bulls. We will break down in a minute. The Hornets plus six at the Wolves. Thunder on a back-to-back, plus six and a half at the Suns. They're at, they're actually being uh, bet on despite going to overtime last night in Utah. And then Houston plus 10 at Golden State. And the other game we look at, Kings are plus seven at the Clips. So the total's been bet down a little bit here in the Nets-Bulls game, uh, but I'm not really that interested in it. In, in any direction. I'm just interested in fading the Nets, which I talked about in our Futures episode over the break. Um, they come out here on with a really tough road stretch, and I haven't seen anything from this team to indicate that they can consistently win games on the road. Chicago is far from consistent. I mean, I guess we can, we can start with them. I mean, consistently sucked. Heading into the breaks, lost six straight, probably thought some pieces were getting moved at the deadline, and they didn't. Uh, really maybe the worst offense in the league during that six-game stretch. Um, but now they get a nice break here. They get to gel a little bit, understanding that it's just it's going to be the same team here, and they can push for a play-in spot uh, starting here. And look, here's their game log when they've gotten extra rest, at least two days. They, they double-digit wins three in a row over Charlotte, Atlanta, Detroit, an overtime loss to Cleveland that took 71 from Donnie Mitchell. A weird loss to Houston, which is exactly what we talk about with inconsistency, an overtime loss to the Knicks, and dropping 144 to crush the Luka-less Mavs. And the key is DeMar DeRozan as well when he gets a little extra rest. I mean, he still seems exhausted from last season. Man stands on his pulpit saying you should play 82 games to be the MVP, and he tries to play 82 every year. And it's, I mean, last year he had an MVP caliber season, probably fifth in my book. Uh, and this year he just hasn't been the same guy because he's, seems to be still exhausted so he goes in on a funk uh that included a bad game against the nets and hasn't been great against the nets recently but when he gets at least three days rest this season we're talking his best splits most efficiency 26 points per game six assists per game uh usage rate is higher even on two days rest the efficiency goes way up so i'm looking to Fade the Nets, and I love like when you can see a recent loss to a team that's just full of outliers. The Bulls lost at Brooklyn uh, 15 days ago. They shot 8 for 25 from 3. It's exactly how Brooklyn was able to beat Miami before the break, too, just lucking out on a bunch of missed threes. Um, but they played pretty good defense on Brooklyn, held them to 43% shooting. Again, unsustainable three-point shooting from the other side. And that's, the Nets bench goes 12 for 19 from 3. Joe Harris basically doesn't miss a shot. Um, And, you know, the Bulls were able to beat 
the Nets with Katie and Kyrie at the peak of their powers, the previous meeting, and that was at home. Chicago, better team at home. You know, stop me if you heard this before. Another better team at home. Uh, look, they beat KD. When KD had 44 points on 15 for 22 shooting, that's just like absolutely nothing you can do with him. And Spencer Dinwiddie and Cam Thomas, as I said in that Futures episode, they're going to both have to go off, or Mikel Bridges in the most recent meeting. Uh, they're they're going to have to both go off. Uh, you know, two of those three guys for the Nets to have any chance in a road game here. Uh, Dinwiddie does have good splits against the Bulls. Bridges is not. He's never really been the man like this. I don't really think his 45 points against the Heat is at all sustainable. Right. Um, and yeah, so I, I mean, it's just like, the, the the Nets have basically they've lost five straight road games. Um, Kyrie has carried them to two wins with 153 offensive rating in those games. And if it's the good and the bad Kyrie, whatever you want to say, that's the good Kyrie. And they, if, without that guy, I just don't see them winning many road games. Uh, I'm willing to take Chicago at at a pick'em line. Yeah, I can I can understand the logic. Um, like I'm, I'm following along with what you're saying. I think honestly, I start to lean under um, as a good play in this game, even maybe more than Chicago. I think I, I kind of believe in a little bit of what Chicago's done as of late. Which I mean, it's been better on defense. I mean, I, you, you know, I'm going to talk about briefly, just like even in their last ten, um, and it's been consistent throughout this 10 game span for them where they're not winning at all but they have the third best defensive rating they are the third best in defensive rebound percentage they are second in limiting opponent points uh second chance points and points in the paint right so like they're just good around the basket right now uh playing a lot of more defense maybe drummond's getting in there for a few more minutes um and, and helping out in that in that regard but uh pat williams playing a little bit better as well i, I will give him that but I, I, it's it's also kind of directly related and correlated probably to their horrible offensive rating, which is worst in the league in their last four. Um, they're averaging 98 points a game. They're making eight threes a game. They have the fourth fewest free throw attempts per game. Um, and I just, I just don't like what I'm seeing from them. And it's probably right. Like a direct uh, result of DDR of our guy, uh, DeMar DeRozan, just being in such a big funk. Uh, you, you can talk about seven games for him, four games for him, 10 games for him. It's, it's been pretty below his averages. Like you, like you were talking about at 18% with those really bad splits at 46 and 29 for, for DeMar. That's where it starts because they're, they're not a three point shooting team. They're a mid range team. Um, and, and they're a, a hope you can get to the basket with Levine and hope that you have um, some, some uh, slight mismatch with Vooch if you can find it whether he's bigger than the guy guarding him or able to step out and make threes against slow-footed guys it's just not much uh I, I just don't like it and as a result I kind of like the under a bit more um you, you talk about how often they've been going under in that span uh since they've been losing um if you all go all the way back to eight games when they played against the Spurs they've only got one over in there against the Pacers uh at a game that reached 230 which is understandable against the Pacers everybody does that um so but I, I think under is a little bit better of a play to continue that streak for them and that's sense Brooklyn on the other hand um with the offense that they have look like getting up away from Mikhail the destroyer and his ability to to score 45 in that one game like we keep saying it's an outlier we're not really looking forward to you know looking for that to continue um I think it's more important to just kind of look at what's you know happened since they got the guys that they got obviously they're they're making a bunch more threes because that's now what their their best uh offense is at this point um they're playing better on the wing limiting three-pointers made as well which is what they do not something that you worry about against Chicago you really need to worry about more of that that mid-range but they 
also are uh, in the top five against the mid-range as well in that time frame because they have a ton of guys who are 6'8 to 6'10 and can and are very long uh, and can guard guys that are bigger than them or stronger than them even uh, because they're so versatile. And, and that, that those are the parts of the floor where they're going to be able to guard really well, I believe, is the kind of the mid-range uh, and that sort of like 15 to 17 feet from the basket kind of area that, you know, that is what exactly the Bulls own essentially at this point and what the, the Nets used to own before they lost the two uh, mid-range scores that they have. And they're now, like I said, a three-point shooting team, which I think Chicago's fine to, to deal with that as well. So rather than have to rely on a Bulls team that I, I haven't seen win a basketball game since like the very beginning of February, um, I just feel a little bit better taking under 226 points in a game that doesn't have, um, the, I mean, on, on Brooklyn side, doesn't have the stars to really get up those points anymore. And, and on the Bulls side, has just been so bad as of late. Yeah, I, I'm just, I think that we see teams come out of the break as refreshed for sure. So I'd be a little concerned that the Bulls offense is nowhere near as bad as it was and that the, the Nets defense, granted with some guys moving in and out here in their last three road games, they have a 142 defensive rating. Um, you know, they collapsed against Philly, which did go under. Good point there. I mean, but they just, at, at the Knicks, they, they allowed the Knicks to shoot 55% low assist rate for the next two, just 18 dimes. And that's kind of the ball Chicago plays too, right? It's just going to ISO, um, you know, DeRozan did have 29 the last time he faced Bridges and the Suns, So not that worried about that either. And, and I go back to that home win against the Nets, against the Durant Nets in early January, and they just bullied them. They, I mean, the one rebounding by 12, they shot like 60% inside the arc, dominated the paint. Uh, so they don't need to depend on this three point shooting. Uh, but it, they have, like many teams, they are a better three-point shooting team at home. So, I, I mean, maybe I can convince you by saying we're worried about the the, the Bulls scoring too much uh, to ruin your under, and then we don't trust the Nets offense to score very much on the road. So why not just take them at minus two? Yeah, I can do that too, yeah. uh, along with the under, to be honest. And and yet yeah, it's, it's almost like sad what's happened uh, to a degree with Nick Claxton. And he was like, he looked a lot. He's one of those guys, honestly, he and Royce O'Neal were two guys that definitely benefited from playing with stars where they didn't have to go and get their own shot. They didn't have to figure out how to score at all. They just had guys that could get them wide open, either under the rim or from three uh, in O'Neal's case. And, and both of them are seeing a reduction in minutes since they lost those stars. They're seeing a reduction in, in uh, you know, usage uh, and efficiencies everything so uh, I think there's something to be said for that and in, in the fact that you know like we were saying it, this is a team that was built upon a bedrock of two of the greatest scorers in the league and in the history of the game um, and everything sort of collapses once you replace them with two up-and-coming really solid wing players like Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges that just aren't on the same uh, echelon so that is and, all the time. by the way yeah I should mention the futures bets plus 800 right now for the Nets to miss the playoffs, but even better, plus 390 for them to just be in the play-in. And they're only two games out of the play-in right now ahead of Miami. It's like almost a lock that they fall into that spot. They have a tough schedule the rest of the way, including for their next five on the road against Eastern Conference playoff teams. Yep, and you mentioned the plus 800 for them to miss the playoffs. Beautiful odds there. I love the plus 380. I think that's almost a lock because what we're saying is you need the Knicks and the Heat, both within two and a half games of this team uh, and the Nets to jump them, and now they're the seventh seed and they're the play-in, and I think that's highly likely to happen in the last 24 games, much more likely than the plus 380 that you get uh, and the the implied probability that is so low according to the books on that one. So... And then we have Clips minus seven at home uh, with the Kings on a back-to-back year. Total's been bet up to 237.5. It might keep climbing. 
And I am looking at that first and foremost here, looking to go under again. And it's scary for multiple reasons. I mean, number one, the Clippers have the most efficient offense in the league over the last 14, uh, scoring nearly 120 a game despite playing at a 95 pace in that span. Are holding opponents to 113, so that would still get us under. But the Kings' averages are obviously much higher. I mean, they are the highest scoring team in the NBA this year, and their back-to-backs in nine situations have averaged 244. They've been they've been really shootout heavy. I mean, there is some skewed numbers in there, like an overtime game with Dallas, like a game in Philly that was also like an overtime and, and a crazy style. But look, on the road, the Kings are a different team. Uh, and so this is more about trusting the Clippers defense at home and what they've done late, what they've done recently against the Kings and not trusting the Kings offense to be as prolific on the road. It's like an eight point per game drop off and what they do well. I mean, they're, they're 10th and three point percentage on the year, but that it's 25th on the road and, and LAC the ninth best three point defense, um, you know, Kings in, in scoring inside the arc. They they're third on the road in, in that in that department two point percentage. Again, the Clippers are ninth in that. Um, and, and yeah, I mean five straight unders on the road, nineteen and nine to the under on the season for the Kings on the road. They were way under um, in five straight. Then they had a couple overs, two of them against Houston, one against uh, you know the the Pels for an outlier game, and and then they go hella under against Phoenix in their last one. And also the Clips, their last game we saw before the break against Phoenix. Great defense against a Suns team that has Devin Booker back at their his full powers and, and Paul and Aiton and all their weaponry. And the Kings, I mean, they're coming off a great showing against Portland. No defense there, but it, their last five against the Clippers have gone under. I mean, they smacked them last time because it was another one of those Clippers punt games where Amir Coffey was starting, no disrespect. Uh, Brandon Boston Jr. as well, like his game, uh, but not not their usual starters. No Kawhi or PG. In game two this season, they had PG, who went off for, I think, a season-high 40. Darren Fox also goes off for 36, only missed eight field goals. Uh, and that game still only gets to 220. In Sacramento, by the way. So that is the complete opposite of the splits we're looking at, where the Clippers are, are excellent at defense at home. Kings offense drops both teams also shot 40 percent from three so i'm just looking at the way these two teams play each other and try you know much more so than the fact that the last time we saw the clippers face a team on a back-to-back it was the warriors they dropped 134 look the warriors are playing shootouts with everybody's the kings are playing shootout with a lot of people but when you look at those five unders in a row on the road and how consistently they've gone under when they play a good defense that can line them up a little bit uh, these games definitely tend to go under. Yeah, I'm with I'm with the under uh, a bit on this one. I know it's a bit scary, um, and, and the Clips have scored a few points here and there, um, uh, you know, in in their recent matchups with uh, a few different teams. Um, but not to not to the tune of this many points. I mean, that Warriors game when they were at home, the Warriors uh, maybe they're somewhat comparable to the uh, to the Kings in terms of not playing defense on the road, um, but 
not to the not as bad as the Warriors, in my opinion, to be honest. Uh, I think there's something to be said for the the pace that these teams play at. I, obviously, we kind of throw away the last game they played, like you said, no Kawhi, no Paul George. It's just a different game. Uh, but in the in the last roughly like 15 games, that's I think the best sample size that we have. And Kawhi's played in in almost all those, uh, I believe, it, as well as Paul George. There might have been one game in there that they missed, but either way, when they're both in there at that point, 10 and four, we talk about that. And and the the scores in these games, they they just rarely get up to that level, uh, to to that um, score when they're at home, especially uh, unless they're playing a team that they're just completely blowing out, like the Spurs or the Warriors, who who don't do anything close to defense on the road. But I, I think the Kings and and the way that they play on, on the road is huge here. That it's it, a little bit more about their lack of offense than anything. There is something to be said about um, you know when they're worse on offense. Um, at times, it looks like they're also better on defense um, because you know they, they were able to limit uh, some of those blowouts. But it, in this one, uh, I think we just rely on the fact that the, the Clippers and the way that they're playing right now um, is a, a little bit more controlled. Now, we should throw in the fact that Russell Westbrook is likely going to play for them tonight, and that's my segue from saying they've been playing a little bit more controlled basketball to I don't know what's going to happen now with Russell Westbrook. I personally don't think I will be betting on this one, but if I were, I would be actually leaning towards the the, the Kings to cover seven points at this point, um, just because I think that's a little bit too great for the, the unknown that we have with this Clippers team and what's going to happen with Russell Westbrook especially what's going to happen to our boy Terrence Mann, who has become a show favorite as he's been hitting his low prop totals that he's been getting repeatedly. And we can't even find it right now as we record this the morning of the game because of this, this, the sort of the, uh, uncertainty around Russell Westbrook, not that whether or not he's going to play, it seems like he will, but just where is he going to fit in? It's, it seems like he might start, but if he if he and if he does, then he's taking Terrence Mann's new starting role as a point guard that I think he's actually getting a lot better at in his last roughly four or five games uh, in terms of knowing when to actually like score and take over rather than trying to get assists. And, and that that's something that's going to get in, disrupted mightily unless Russ plans to come off the bench and just play a little bit more with that second unit. And then that leaves Terrence Mann uh, sort of clean and free to play with the starters and do his thing that he's been doing. So if that's the case, then I feel a lot better about the Clips chances uh, in this one. But seven points just seems too high in a game where I, I, I agree with you that there, there's going to be a bit less scoring. Uh, and if anything, then that does give the Kings a chance to kind of hang around uh, and, and, and in a sloppier looking game. Yeah, sl- sloppy. And that's a great transition to talking about Westbrook, I should have mentioned in the intro, of course, that's a huge wrench to throw into this whole projection situation where we just don't know if he's going to start. Ty Lue has been very tight-lipped about what his role is going to be. Um, you know, will he push the pace more? The Clippers playing at about 95 pace. Lakers were at like a 105 pace with Westbrook on the floor. Um, you know, will that second unit be efficient or will he muck things up and miss a ton of shots? Uh, you know, it, it is a kind of a big unknown. I think he'll come out with his hair on fire. I think he has a lot to prove. I can't wait to take his props when he plays the Lakers. Uh, I think the Clips will let him kind of go a little bit more because they're just not strong personalities, Kawhi and PG. And if and if Russ wants to just jump in and and try to be an alpha, all, all of a sudden they might they might be okay with that in some regular season games. So uh, I I do think he was going to help them. I, I worry a little bit about the Kings after such an easy matchup last night against no Dame uh, maintaining their efficiency. I do, I, I, I do think they can get blown out here. Um, so I, uh, but I would rather have the Clippers at minus three than the, than the Kings at plus 11 is basically my take on mm-hmm. that, on who's going to win the game. Cause the clips, I mean, they're looking like a championship contender. They were before this big deal, uh, which is, you know, could 
tip the scales a lot. Or Westbrook might only play like 18 minutes in like a really bit role and they continue doing what they're doing. But either way, they have a lot more talent than the Clips than the Kings. And this is another futures outlook. We talked about the Clippers passing them in the standings, uh, about the Clippers winning this division yeah. and, and just finishing strong. And all those things can happen starting yeah. tonight when the first the first of two matchups with the Kings in their next five. Uh, I do think they're going to win both of those to kind of assert their their status and get up to that third seed. God, I hope you're right because I definitely laid some wood on the uh, the plus three ninety for them to win the Pacific Division right before we came back from the All Star break uh, a few days ago, and so that would be lovely for me. And the more I think about it, the more I, when you said Westbrook might only play like eighteen minutes, like I actually could really see that happening. Like, how awesome is it for the Clips that they're that the Lakers are just you know so they're not paying Russell Westbrook forty million dollars, right? They're going to be paying him basically like a veteran minimum and have him on his team on their team while he's just getting tens of millions of dollars from other teams. Uh, I think that feels pretty good for the Clips, and in, in the end, I might actually agree with them picking him up just under that pretense. But we'll see what happens when he's in there, and and we'll see what if they're still on the run that that we think they are. This is a huge game if they are going to win. That Pacific Division and make a play uh, and a, a legitimate run in that Western Conference. So you're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into your first NBA player prop for tonight. Yeah, I hope some people took that plus 625 for DeMontis triple-double, just barely got there. Uh, but yeah, we're moving on here, trying to pick some more winners and picking off the, uh, the the game video where we like the Bulls, we, we like the extra rest, and I like DeMar DeRozan with some extra rest to snap out of this funk. He's definitely a buy low spot here at 22 and a half points, even money at DraftKings. Um, also even money for him to get 10 combined rebounds assists, which is right about his average at home, uh, you know, in 2023. I mean, he's averaging nearly 24 points per game at home. A lot of their their last seven games before the break where they just looked awful were on the road, including one at the Nets where DeRozan um, struggled. I mean, he hasn't been a world beater against the Nets at all lately. I mean, how much of that is is playing against Kevin Durant? And while Mikel Bridges is a great defender, he gave him 29 points at, at Phoenix early this season. So it's not necessarily a stay-away spot. And it's just more about the rest for me. I mean, on three days rest this year, 30% usage rate for DeMar, 26 points per game, six assists, and his highest offensive rating at 127. So, I, I mean, I think – and Brooklyn, even with Bridges coming back in here, they're allowing – the fourth most assists per game in the last seven to small forwards, allowing the most rebounds to small forwards in the last 15. So I do think we'll have some peripheral stats because Brooklyn's offense is not all that. Uh, should be plenty of rebounds for DeRozan, but um, I, I do think he gets at least like 25 points here if you even want an alternate line. 
I'm with it. I mean, I don't think there's going to be very many, very many points in this game, to be honest. Um, that's the only thing that scares me about it. I, I, that's something that we talk about in the game videos. My, my bet in that one is just is an under a little bit more than anything else. But uh, I mean, Damar, it needs to get out of this funk at some point. And I do think the, the three days rest combined uh, with some success he's actually had against, you know, a defense that's going to look kind of similar to what he faced when he played the Suns earlier this season. Uh, I think there's something to be said for that. So uh, I'm going to go with my guy, my favorite Nick of all time. I'm not being uh, facetious here. Jalen Brunson, 26 and a half points. It's high. It, it scares me a little bit, but he uh, crushes Washington so far. I mean, this year uh, in, in two versus Washington, 33 a game, uh, 34 and 32 respectively with an 136 offensive rating. He's also got six assists, five and a half boards in that time frame. Uh, I'll also say the last game he played against this team when he was a member of the Mavericks, uh, he did get 30 minutes in that game, only got 21 points and four rebounds, uh, five rebounds and four assists. I say only, but I mean, he, he played 30 minutes alongside Luca, right? And he really pl probably played like 20 of those minutes without Luca on the floor. And then 10 of those minutes, he just had to stand there and hope that it was his turn when Luca decided he was tired on an offensive possession, which is just a crappy way to play offense. Uh, but now, obviously, it's Jalen's ball. It's, it's his offense at this point. Um, and he's been pissed uh, since he got snubbed from that all-star game, despite having such good stats and being the best player, in my opinion, on this net, uh, this Knicks team, at least the most crucial to the reason that they're in the sixth seed right now. Um, and in his last eight, since he realized that he was not going to be an all-star, uh, 32 and a half a game and 140 individual offensive ratings. So, I mean, look, the Wiz, they've been better than, uh, if you look a little bit more closely, they've been pretty good. Um, I mean, better on offense, but also like much better on defense. Um, point guards can score on them. That is a, one place that they're, they're uh, a little bit more vulnerable. They, they seem to limit assists pretty well against point guards, but they definitely, uh, give up a ton of uh, points uh, at, like the ninth most in the league so it's not like that that's the strongest position for them in terms of where they're playing on defense obviously Monte Morris being the guy that they're hoping to stop him so I feel good about Jalen being able to uh, to eat tonight I feel good about the over in this game at 225 right and so like Jalen's scoring such a high percentage of the Knicks points right now uh, the, the Wizards scoring 123 a game in their last four before the break, shooting 56% and 46% from deep. They've got their big three, their medium-sized three, whatever you want to call it, but they're playing really well on offense. And, I mean, the Knicks aren't getting much of anything outside of Jalen and Julius Randle, especially Jalen in this type of matchup. So, yeah, I think he scores a lot if the Knicks are going to be anywhere near Washington on the road here. Um so looking in Milwaukee, no Giannis Antetokounmpo, and that means Drew Holiday. You know, let's let's see your your high usage version. Um, he's really taking a back seat this season because Giannis leads the league in usage rate uh, whenever they have the big man in there. But with him out, it's going to be back to Drew putting up some of the crazy numbers we saw in the last few without him. Chris Middleton still not one hundred percent. He's not. He's definitely not ready to be the number one option. So, yeah. and it's already a good spot against Miami because that's. That's a heat defense that typically limits point guards. I mean, limits everybody. Uh, but guys like Drew that are just so tough and, and so so versatile in their ability to score, they tend to put up numbers against Miami still because uh, somebody's got to put it in the basket. And he has a 124 offensive rating, his last seven against Miami, 20 points per game, eight assists per game. Had a, you know played two recently without Giannis uh, against Miami. The usage rate is at 26%, 10 and a half assists. Um, and in general, without Giannis this season, 24 points, 10 assists, 30% usage rate. So very high here. Um, I think the seven and a half assists is a good bet at plus 100. If he's going to have the ball in his hands all night, 
33 and a half PRA. I do think his fingerprints will be all over this one. And you just look at the home numbers. He's shooting 50% from three at home in his last 10 right now, hitting 3.2 a game. For him to hit three threes is minus 118. Don't hate that. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Bucks offense is just, in general, much better at home, and Drew is no exception. Yeah, it's my guy for sure. I mean, I, I picked him up in fantasy this season knowing Chris Middleton would be missing uh, time and that if Giannis ever did as well, that that just meant Drew's usage was about to skyrocket. So um, it's going to be an interesting roster that they're now throwing out there. Uh, we'll see, you know, Joe Ingles and Javon Carter and, uh, and Bobby Portis are going to get some increased minutes. Middleton's starting. I, he still seen, I, He was on a minutes limit before they went to the break. We'll see what happens, but it doesn't matter. Without Giannis on the floor, even if Chris Middleton's out there, who's ever out there, Drew's going to be out there for what, like th- if they're, you know, trying to win this game down the stretch, he might get close to 38, 40 minutes. Uh, like he's not coming out at that point uh, as, as a guy who they need all over the floor. So uh, with that fact alone, I do like Drew tonight. Uh, as well so I'm going to finish with an under for us Nate and I'm, I'm taking a guy that I love I've been love talking about him Nick Claxton he's been probably the best rim protector in the league I mean he's got the best opponent opponent's field goal percentage at the rim this season outside of Jaron Jackson Jr but he's played a lot more than Triple J as well um, I will say it's just been a little bit different for him like we talked about in the game video since the, the trade of the su- superstars that's just what he relied on to, to eat and get some of his numbers and points especially but I'm going under on the, the points rebounds and assists uh, the assists are at like one and a half which he averages like one a game so I'm very happy to throw assists in there um, the points and rebounds as well but 24 and a half there, minus 115 on DraftKings. The last three since the team got blown up and he's been playing alongside guys like Cam and, and uh, Mikhail Bridges, um, he's only played 25 minutes in that time frame. He was getting closer to 30, 28 to 30 when when uh, you know everybody else was on this squad. Seven points a game, 6.7 boards and one assist in that time frame, well below 24 and a half at what's that like 14, 15 total there that he's been combining for. Um, that usage rate down to 13.6%. It was at like 15, 16% with the other guys because he was able to at least get um, into positions where they, you know, they were feeding him in the dunker spot and things like that. His rebounds are down on the season. He's got like nine, eight, eight and a half, nine a game. But in the last four or five with uh, Dayron Sharp getting in there, actually has more boards a game than Nick Claxton in just 15 minutes per game as well for the youngster might continue to see a bit more of him as they're probably not taking their finals chances pretty seriously anymore. Um, And that Chicago defense that we talk about, that's been really, really good uh, in their last 10 all going all the way back third best defensive rating and limiting every everything down low, second chance points, points in the paint, rebound percentage, everything that Nick Claxton would need to get those hustle points and, and then get those scrappy points uh, and, and and rebounds. Uh, I just think they're going to be limiting that too well for him. He's only had uh, combined for like 20 uh, points, rebounds and assists in the two games they played this season against Chicago. And that was with, you know, his, his, uh, his guys in there in terms of Kyrie and KD. So just not a good spot for Nick Claxton who might not even get enough minutes to get his stats tonight. Yeah, it's a good call because the chemistry is not there yet. I mean, just so many new pieces on this team. And because Claxton, yeah, he just feeds off guys like Kyrie penetrating and then and then giving him the ball in the dunker spot. He doesn't have his own offensive set. He's not getting any back-to-the-basket post touches or anything. He's definitely not getting any assists. I mean, maybe one out of luck here. And, and Chicago's a good rebounding team. Vucevic, I believe the last time these teams played was when I had the Vuce over-rebounds under points that both hit. Uh, but tonight, I think if Claxton's not playing as many minutes because they're trying to figure things out on offense, Brooklyn, I think that's an even more reason to like the Bulls because I think Vucevic is going to eat uh, against Dayron Sharp or, or in a small ball lineup if that's how the Nets are going to roll. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right under 24 and a half PRA here. 
Yeah, I hate it too because he was rounding into form the season in a way that he hadn't yet, and then it just it just all blew up around him. This isn't the roster for him uh, in the way that he plays. So that's all the time we have for you guys, though. Continue to follow along, like, and subscribe to that page. We're coming back to you next Monday as we look to stay wicked hot on these player props. So until we see you next, happy betting. Stop.